much more intelligent. <laughs> good morning, good afternoon, good, good to morning. see you. What kind of eggs do you want? Scrambled. Have you guys been up all night? Why didn't you tell me that Jack was a cop? And why didn't you tell me you spent the whole night in a police station looking at mug shots? You could have taken two minutes to call your mother. Why didn't you tell me you had no friends? And what is this business about going to the movies at midnight when you knew your mother would be worried? Mom, you turned him into a wimp! Welcome to part two of our last Action Hero episode. But before we go into real talk, it's time for PP, our patron pitch. This is where we let our patrons know what they can expect on our patron channel. And we also let non-patrons know what they're missing out on. Alex, we are closing down the month of July. There's uh, a lot of stuff that we've already mentioned in previous episodes. And then there's some new stuff. So uh, let's start with what we already know about. Uh, we have uh, two QVRs from patron Taylor Martin. She demanded you do Tucker and Dale versus Evil, uh, which is mm-hmm. a horror comedy. And I am going back to the classics, Sunset Boulevard, almost as, as well known as Tucker and Dale versus Evil. And so we'll be doing quick video reviews of those. Also, as we mentioned in uh, Contrarian's Corner, uh, Jamie Russell gave us The Last Black Man in San Francisco as our uh, patron-exclusive bonus episode. We had a pretty uh, interesting discussion about a movie that is very much not like Last Action Hero. Not at all. Uh, n- yeah, I mean... There's not too many similarities, but I en- I enjoyed them both. I think there's something to be said for that. <laughs> not everything has to be the same. Not not every movie has to uh, break the fourth wall and make fun of its genre. I'm trying to think if there's literally anything that's similar about them, and besides the fact that they are movies that were released. <laughs> I'm sure that the people in San Francisco have seen Last Action Hero. At least someone who lives in San Francisco has seen Last Action Hero. I do believe that. Yeah. Also, Alex, we're reaching the end of the Roxena journey. As we we have released part four, which was about the match, and we will be releasing part five soon. It might already be there, actually. We don't know. Part five is just the the fallout of the match. This is this is where everything ends. The final gasp of the WWE, right? After that, it, that was it? It was over? Pretty much. Uh <laughs> For many intents and purposes, yes. Uh, and then we'll also be um, discussing Vacation Friends and Skyscraper. I've already forgotten about that. <laughs> I forgot that we had uh, two more movies in our horizon. We, Oh, yeah. This is a film podcast. We're not going to end this on a non-film <laughs> note. So there you go. All right. That's exciting stuff. And then, of course, Contrarians After Hours. Our spinoff show where we tell you about other things that we're watching, that we're listening to, that we've read. Alex, what are you bringing to Contrarians After Hours this time? As I've started to do, uh, getting more and more into, I don't we're never going to be back to normal. I mean, that's number one. But just talking about some of my excursions and my trips, I went to Chicago this past weekend and it was an amazing trip. And so uh, I'll just kind of talk about some of the things I did when I was there. Uh, And it does have a a film uh, twinge to it, too, because we did go see a couple of the uh, historical movie theaters there. Uh, But in addition to that, 
I recently had a birthday as well, about a month ago, uh, that I forgot to. Well, not that I forgot. It's just we've been so entrenched in the friend extravaganza that I haven't had a chance to talk about. Uh, my parents got me the Paramount Presents. Uh, edition of Elizabethtown on Blu-ray. I texted Julia about this, and we yeah we need to have a discussion about this Paramount Presents because this could be uh, this could be potentially hazardous. If you don't know what I'm talking about, this isn't my attempt to get your dollar, but I just don't want to waste your time right now because I'm I'm gonna go into it in, in our after hours segment. So uh, check that out there. We'll be talking about the Paramount Presents collection and potentially why it may be hazardous for myself and Julio. Uh, but Julio, what uh, what about yourself? What's uh, what's on the tip of your tongue, teeth, and lips? <laughs> well, a few episodes ago, we talked about Romeo Michel's High School Reunion, and I said this movie has made me want to watch more Mira Sorvino movies. So I finally watched Mimic, the Guillermo del Toro horror movie that's been just sitting there on HBO Max, waiting for me to hit play. So I did the one she threatened to walk on if they were going to replace Del Toro. Yes, yeah, I read that. It is apparently it, Del Toro basically disowns the movie. And there's a HBO Max as a director's cut too, but uh from what I read, I mean the differences are it it seemed to me like the differences are minimal for the audience and major for the filmmaker. And we, we'll go into that in the after hours. Um also, I started watching uh Star Trek Voyager, which is one of the 90s Star Trek TV shows and uh, I'll tell you why because it was kind of a I came to it kind of sideways but it really <laughs> what I really want to bring up is just this idea of because uh, I started watching it with season four like I skipped the first three seasons and I'll tell you why when when we talk about it in after hours but um, it's just kind of like this long gone uh, practice of just watching things without worrying about starting at the very beginning. I, I didn't. I haven't disliked it, actually. I, I found it very exciting in a way. So I'm going to talk a little bit about that as well. So Star Trek Voyager, Mimic, uh, Chicago in general, and the new Paramount Presents line. All that in our after hours, in addition to all the things that we already mentioned, and also our pre-recording notes, our Cut It From Floor segments, all the good stuff on our Patreon channel. Just go to patreon.com slash contrarianprime, check our tiers, see if you'd like to join the Contrarian Supplements. $1, $3, $5, $10. I mean, there's a little bit for everybody there. But $1 gets you in on the ground floor. You'll have access to some of the things we discussed here, the Rock Cena voyage that we've been on. Again, at this point, and especially when the conclusion comes, defy you and anyone listening to this to find any more thorough and comprehensive coverage of that specific match and that event than what we offer there. Uh, when it's all said and done, it's probably going to be close to like 12 or 13 hours worth of uh, information, not only just on wrestling. If you're not, if, that, if that's your thing, cool. If not, uh, we discuss the film careers of uh, both men respectively. And yeah, you know, like Julio said, we have some bonus episodes, some uh, discussions, things that don't make the air. Um, check it out. To all of our current patrons thank you so much we love y'all and as i like to say we're always accepting applications so get on it and now julio i just have to lead off i loved this <laughs> do you enjoy last action hero i'm just an imaginary hero danny you have a real life 
You're real to me. Don't you get it? You're the best thing and I need you to... To be here where you can always find me. But I need you to be out there, to believe in me. Oh, we're getting right to it, huh? There's no... Uh... Uh, just like on a surface level, just yay or nay. I'll, I'll say that I enjoyed our conversation about Last Action Hero a lot more than I enjoyed the movie. But I really enjoyed that our is conversation <laughs> about Last Action Hero. I am very happy that you have loved it because, for one, gets us off the hook with Jamie. Because I'm pretty sure, like I said, he didn't specify, but I'm pretty sure he likes this movie. And so I was worried that I wasn't going to like it and you weren't going to like it. And this is kind of, I get the feeling that this is by the people that that like it, like they really like it. And so uh, I want to like drag, you know, there's movies that I enjoy tearing down. But but then there are others where I'm like, no, that's cool. I mean, I I don't need to be negative about it, except that. You know, given that uh, I have the microphone in front of me, we're on the spotlight, I just have to be honest. So so I'll explain why it doesn't work for me. But I'm glad that you're there so that you're in Jamie's corner. And uh, this is not just going to be the two of us pulling a drop-dead Fred on, <laughs> on Jamie. The other thing is, I still like, there are movies that we may like or dislike, but that they don't lend themselves to an engaging conversation. And I don't think that this is it. I think that this movie is actually, it has a lot going on. And that's what makes it entertaining uh, as a as a topic of discussion. So I'm glad that that's there too, uh, because I, I think that there's a lot to talk about in in the second part of the show, of the episode. I mean, I'm not going to like trash it. I'm just going to say, hey man, this is my opinion. And then you'll go on and on about nostalgia and you know how it used to be better. Yes, I will go on about how it used to be better. <laughs> okay, well, I think this will be a, a spirited discussion back and forth. So uh, before we get to that, 39% on Rotten Tomatoes means that there were a good amount of people giving this movie its propers. What uh, what positive reviews and quotes were you able to find? I got four fresh quotes from the tomato meter. Starting with Alex Mady from Joe Blow's Movie Network, who says, I am happy to say that not only does Last Action Hero hold up well almost 20 years later, but it remains one of the most underrated movie concepts of all time. Um, okay, so almost 20 years later, that means that it was like 10 years ago that he wrote this. Was it, an, well, he says underrated, not unusual, but I don't know. Do you think that 10 years ago, the, the the idea, the concept of Last Action Hero was underrated? I think it was ahead of its time. I'm not willing to call it one of the most underrated concepts of all time. I, I think it was a movie that was released... When I say it was too smart for its own good, that's usually an expression that's reserved for like negative connotation. Mm-hmm. I don't think that's the case here. I do think that it was... It just... People weren't willing to do it yet. Like People weren't willing to dissect movies like that and then make fun of that and it it could have what year was roger rabbit was that 1990 no i think it's earlier than that man let's see 88 or 89 88 good one yeah you know people view that as like a revolutionary concept the the of what that did and then of course like i said scream changed the game baby and that came three years after this 
And so I think this movie was just a consequence of time. And I, I don't really think that people were willing to, you know, do this yet for lack of a better expression. And also it's, you know, you got to be real with this about, you can't market a movie like this, like geared towards children and then expect them to understand what's happening. Uh, and because of that, you can't expect the parents to be okay with it because then they have to explain to these kids that are confused about what's going on. So it's like <laughs> you got to commit. And like a movie like this, like I read that Schwarzenegger was very, very, you know, stern that this had to be PG-13. And who knows if they had tried something more like in line with Scream, not saying it had to be like a horror movie with like a bunch of bloodshed and whatnot, but I don't know. I think the the concept and the idea that was here was way ahead of its time. I don't think the execution was as good as it could have been, uh, and I don't think the the target they I don't think they knew what their target was because we're going to get into here shortly. This was almost like as marketed to children as Jurassic Park or anything else, and it's a lot more to ask of a child based audience to kind of keep up with this than it is fucking. Sam Neill running away from dinosaurs. <laughs> Sam Neill good, dinosaur bad. Nature, uh, life finds a way. That's it. There you go. All right. Alison Rose from Flick Direct says, There are a few men who could take in the role of Jack Slater, but Schwarzenegger embodies the physical and mental acumen of a last action hero. Correct. Uh, recast Schwarzenegger here, Alex. Who, who else could have no. done it? Impossible? No, I won't. I won't. <laughs> But you have to. It's it's your job. Like the, they just fire the VP, uh, whatever Universal, whoever was behind it. Paramount. Paramount. No, no, no. It was Columbia. I'm sorry. Yeah, Columbia. I, yeah. I got Paramount on the brain now. But uh, no, I won't. He was coming off the heels of the greatest action movie of all time. It it was it had to be him. Well, Schwarzenegger says, uh, "Well, I don't want to give it to Sly." Cancel I pull no. it off. No. <laughs> Do you know how much this movie would have sucked ass if it was Sylvester Stallone? <laughs> I'm sorry. He was not coming directly off the heels of uh, Judgment Day. Uh, he also had a cameo in Dave, which was another Contrarians episode from many moons ago. Yep. Uh, nah, man. I like. I honestly, I cannot think who would take that role at that point in time. Today, would The Rock do it? Well, that's the problem today. Like, you don't have an action star; you have a hundred action stars. <laughs> People weren't afraid to be what they were, man. John Cena could do it, dude. The John Cena could do anything. <laughs> the, to, to steal the line from Cam, what does he say about Meryl Streep could be Batman and it would be the right role? That's how I, I feel about John Cena, just because he's such a great man. But it's um. Yeah, there's there's too many, too many action stars now. And like with this is just a classic case of this was when people weren't afraid to just understand their strengths and play to them. And in this case, he it's just perfect. I'm honest. I'm like, I'm not just trying to be difficult. I'm trying to think <laughs> if there's anyone that you could have cast in that role at this time. Should have called it first action hero. The first. Yeah. No, that would have been like. Kirk Douglas, <laughs> Yule Brenner, uh, <laughs> McQueen, John Wayne, Steve McQueen. Steve McQueen, that's a good one. Cary Grant, 
Cary Grant runs in North by Northwest, so <laughs> that, that was all you needed. <laughs> That's all you needed back in those days. <laughs> <laughs> he would turn to uh, his fans. I do my own stunts. Yeah, there you go. That's that, all me. That was running. actually me. That was that was me running right there. <laughs> um, all right, Nick Rogers from the Film Yap says, driven less by mammoth ego and more by wild and jagged id, Last Action Hero works as a riotous comedy and a rigorous case study of why we go to the movies. It's an inventive valentine made timeless by audacious shamelessness and shameless audaciousness. All right, so I'm ready to say this movie sucks just so I don't, like, (laughs) fall in the same category as that guy. (laughs) Nick Rogers, I mean, that's a very apt name for his website the film yeah i'm sorry anyone who uses the word id in a review i'm just like fuck off i have no time for you unchecked id to boot yes <laughs> all right let's close with somebody that's slightly less pretentious tony black from the cultural conversation Jesus. He says, Last Action Hero hasn't quite yet become one of those cult movies we venerate, and you know, maybe we should. It does have within its bones just a little bit of magic. Yes, it does. Yes, it does. I agree with that. I I wanted to close with that one because that one actually I I agree with. And I, I think that there is a lot of good stuff kind of bouncing around in this movie. It's just that I I had a really hard time getting into the the like penetrating the surface <laughs> there was like the trappings of this action movie just kind of kept me at bay and i was just more like appreciating what they wanted to do but it's just like the jokes were not landing and i think that was like a, a big deal i don't know, like here's my opening saddle alex because you you know we brought up scream throughout the this entire recording and yeah, Scream does what Last Action Hero is doing or trying to do for action blockbusters. Scream does for the horror genre. But I think what I find different between those two is that Scream is pretty smart about the genre while also being a good horror movie. And I don't think that Last Action Hero is a good action movie. I'm assuming you disagree. Or do you think that do you think that it's a good action movie? Like if you strip away the the commentary and it's just like as an action movie do you think it's good yes so to be fair scream and this they try to do two different things scream tries to like just break down the genre in general and apply it to like a real life scenario whereas this is like actually straddling the line between being in a movie and then like the real world that type of thing uh i need to call it out real quick so i don't forget i you can't in my opinion you can't call a movie like this a cult movie any movie that was given a hundred million dollars plus and had a major release by a major studio in prime like prime time, you know, middle of the summer, that type of thing. You can't call that a cult movie. Drop Dead Fred, we did. You can call that a cult movie. Uh, something like The Room, you can call that a cult movie. Last Action Hero. You know, it would be like someone trying to call um, Battlefield Earth like a cult classic. It's like, no, it's just a massive bomb that people pretend like they like it. Uh, <laughs> or some people may really like it, that type of thing. It's. Do you know what I'm trying to say? Yeah, I guess. I mean, I'd never thought about the correlation between something being called a cult and how much. Because I like in the sense that it was never an underdog. <laughs> I agree. But I, I thought that when would, you develop cult status, it just meant that over the years, you know, you started off with a very small base 
of fans. And then over the years, it kind of grew in numbers and became more passionate. That that may differ in interpretation, but it would be like me trying to say that like Terminator 3 is like a cult classic or something like that. You know what I mean? <laughs> like it makes no sense. Even though it's this movie still made like $140 million. That's not no. No, don't put bring the world word cult classic or whatever into this shit. Hi, you Sicilian schmuck. Do I think it's a good action movie? Yeah, it's I'm not going to pretend like this movie's perfect or flawless. It's certainly not. But like the action scenes are fun. The dialogue is fun. You know, we've been talking about Brandon Curtis a lot recently because, you know, he kind of controlled our patron (laughs) spectrum last month. But man, to me, this if he had like his druthers and could make a movie, this would be close to it just in terms of like awesome action and ridiculous one liners. So it would pain me to hear he like hated this or something. But uh, yeah, man, there's all this ridiculous over the top action that's a mix of action and comedy. Like the fight scenes are great. I love the difference between the way like people sell and get hurt in the, the real world versus the movie world. How like a punch will send a guy six feet in the air. That guy that gets kicked mm-hmm. in the dick takes a full like flip bump into the the bookshelf bookshelf excuse me i think this movie is exactly what it wants to be and it works for that for me again there's plenty of flaws in this but i think that if we're going to reduce it to the comparison with scream which i'm guilty of doing for the most part (laughs) is that screams just better written and what scream does is applies quote-unquote rules from movies to interactions in real life whereas this is just like this fantasy universe hopping type thing and i think they do a, a good job of you know calling out the absurdity of what these action stars go through and these one-liners uh that they deliver and how they get shot a hundred times and no one ever gets hurt and arnold even you know the real life arnold even has that thing of like we only killed 48 people in this movie and the previous one we killed 120 you that know was pretty the, funny. The, what, yeah <laughs> i honestly just think it was not something people were uh, willing is a strong word but it's just not what people wanted at the time i, I think there's definitely a, an element of that i think that they, they, it might have been you know, kind of like what we a little bit of what we said in Contreras Corner, like too soon for too soon for Arnold, too soon for the genre, too soon for audiences, uh, all that kind of stuff. But we'll go ahead and finish because I, I didn't mean to cut you off. I, I have a no, you're good. Okay, well, I, I was just gonna say, I guarantee this movie comes out. This movie comes out next month, next year, massive. It's just after my what well, my letterbox review said after a decade plus of just forced melodramatic bullshit blockbusters that we're getting these days dude i was watching this and then i was thinking about like what constitutes now what what like the blockbusters are with these fucking marvel movies and even like you know the action movies now everything has to be dark everything has to have like moral consequence and shit and I was thinking when I was watching this, I was like, man, give me that, like, give me that first Transformers movie. Like, I was trying to think of like, pump the brakes, my friend. Dude, no need to go to the dark side. I mean, there's other. Give me the Rock. If you're gonna go with Michael Bay. Oh, I was, I was like Dwayne Johnson. No, the actual Rock. <laughs> the yeah. actual Rock with Sean Connery. Well, he he tried. He made Pain Again, and you assholes didn't go see it. So, <laughs> which that's not true. That movie made a shit ton of money, but. uh 
I just it's the long game poly. We, we've ha- it's for my like taste and like what I want and the way my brain works. We we made a very tactical error in doing a long game poly in this back to back. Where I'm just like, <laughs> why the fuck can't we have studios making these types of movies anymore? Major studios making these types of movies anymore. And again, this this whole concept of last action hero this ain't gonna work for making five of the same it works once or twice and i think the takeaway should be before i finally uh yield the floor to you (laughs) the takeaway for this movie should be that things were so good in the early 90s early to mid 90s that we didn't want to consider a movie that made fun of movies now it is what we need desperately. It's like uh, Zack Snyder's Watchmen, just way ahead of its time. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> if, and that is that is not exactly what it sounds like. Just listen to our Watchmen episode, so you can really. I was about to say this whole episode has been a promotion for our podcast because we're, <laughs> we're, we're like, well, we talked about this previously, but yeah. Uh, <laughs> okay, the, the, I agree. the TLDR of that is that Watchmen came out at a time where audiences were not were not ready for a superhero movie that deconstructed the genre of superhero movies because superhero movies yeah. hadn't been popular for that long and if Watchmen came out today I think that people would be more receptive to what he was trying to do and I can see that argument made for last action hero but I I think that there's some of it I mean I don't disagree with any of that I, I think that there was it was kind of a a difficult idea to sell and they went about it the wrong way. I think that more of what I, I'm trying I, to... I said, I know I said I was going to give you your ground, but like <laughs> just leading off your last sentence, do you think marketing this towards kids was like the wrong way to go? Yes, because this is not a kid's movie. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's not I mean, It's not an adult movie either, which I think that's kind of the problem. Uh, look, let's just get it out of the way because this is probably something that listeners that have been following the show for a while are just waiting for me to say. And that is that I I don't like the kid in this movie. I I think one of the reasons why I have such a hard time getting into the movie is because this kid just doesn't do it. Like I I don't find him funny. I think that his every time I I heard his dialogue, I'm like that is Shane Black's dialogue, but it's not mm-hmm. being delivered by somebody that can handle Shane Black's dialogue. And it's uh, you know what you would, do. would it help at all? For me to tell you this isn't Austin O'Brien's first time on The Contrarians. I know he was hang on because I did look him up. Uh Lomoire man, right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> He's the kid that fucking Pierce Brosnan Angelo just kind of adopts at the end. <laughs> yeah, he was much better in that movie. Um look, he's trying. He's not uh I think the movie asks a lot of him because it's asking him to be yes. that precocious type, which, you know what? Jurassic Park has two of those kids. He's like the main character. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But but it's it's a tough sell because, you know, I now that we're in, in real talk, I rolled my eyes so hard at him, like some of the movie references that he was making. I, was, I know this is me being a, a grouch. I'm just like... <laughs> overanalyzing Last Action Hero, but I'm like, I don't think there are many child actors that can sell me the type of character that this kid's asked to play in this movie. You know, like the 10-year-old, wise beyond his years, film buff. 
is just yeah i find them grating more than more than amusing and that dialogue is just I, I the delivery is not there, you know, and it's, it's funny because honestly, I don't know when was the last time you watched Kiss Kiss Bang Bang, but this kid sounds like Robert Downey Jr. talking about noir in Kiss Kiss Bang Bang, <laughs> except that <laughs> Robert Downey Jr. is a proper actor, so he can, you know, he can do that thing that that Shane Black's self-referential, hyper-aware dialogue needs. And and this kid, you know, he's mm-hmm. a kid, so he, he can't pull it off, and he is all over the movie. So I was like, every time that they they would cut to a close-up of him making a comment on the movie that I was watching, I was like, oh my god, just m- move away, you know. So <laughs> so that's a problem. That's a big problem, and that's on me because I know that there are people that have, even if they're not crazy about this type of performance, they don't have as much of a problem with it as me. So you can just kind mm-hmm. of put it aside and enjoy. The good stuff, you know, I, I think that Arnold is good. I think Charles Dance is amazing. And uh, uh, Mercedes, what's the name of the, the mom? Mercedes Rule? Is that her, her name? Uh, yeah, R-U-E-H-L. I think we've always said just real. Real? Okay, so yeah. Mercedes Real. She she is great. I was just so happy when I because I saw her. I'm like I know her from somewhere, and then I'm like, oh yeah, dude, that's- that scene where it's her and Arnold like sitting together in the kitchen, and yep. they both just kind of accost the the little boy. I was just like, that's awesome. Yeah, yeah. She's so there's a lot of good elements. Uh, F. Mary Abraham, I <laughs> just like him. Anytime Practice. I see him in anything, <laughs> makes perfect. They're just so natural. Uh, uh, you can tell, you know, the different levels of acting. You know, you have these guys that are just actors, and then you know you have this kid. And, and I don't know why would you do that to yourself? Why would you write yourself into a corner by having a child be the protagonist of this movie when you're gonna ask so much for, from him, and then you know you're gonna get stuck, you know, with this production problem of like you either nail it with the casting of this character, or you just resign yourself to the fact that well it's not gonna be as good as it could be because it's really hard to find a kid that can play all these notes. So that's that's okay. Well, now it's out of the way. <laughs> we got that out of my chest. Listen to what I'm saying. An animated cat just walked into the squad room. Hello. Here's my my other I guess beef with the movie and it's that I don't think Jock McTiernan is a good comedy director. I think he's a good action director. I think he's he's great at shooting shit blowing up and Arnold fighting people and shootouts and all that stuff. But I think that this movie is not as funny as it could be or as it should be because the guy that's behind the camera is not you know, it's not just he's not that funny. I mean, I don't know, you know, can you think of a John McTiernan comedy other than this one? Well, maybe there's a reason no. for that. I I don't think it's a good match of screenplay and director. I can see the logic, right? That you're like, oh, we're gonna do a parody of action movies. So let's get a guy that's good with action movies, a, a, a filmmaker that knows his way around the action genre. But I think that in doing so, they kind of didn't pay enough attention to the other side of it. <laughs> Going back to Kiss Kiss Bang Bang, you know, like Shane Black directs the script, I think, in a way that enhances the comedy in addition to being, you know, it's just like a noir, an action movie, whatever. Yeah, I don't, so I don't think that Joe McTiernan has that. So... You have the kid that I don't like, and you have a movie that I keep feeling like the the director is not is missing the punchlines. Like I don't, there's a lot of stuff that's funny, but there's even more stuff that I I was watching. I'm like, this should be funny, and it's not working. Like I can't 
boil it down to telling you like it's specifically oh because he did this shot when he should have done this shot or because he lingered too much on this beat instead of like moving forward or because he didn't linger enough on this beat you know but i know that there's some things that are funny because i kind of feel like much like an uh amazing spider-man 2 like there's some sequences that you just can't fuck up no matter how badly you direct them like there's some things that will always carry emotional resonance and so i think that charles dance in the middle of a real world new york shouting that he just murdered a man <laughs> like that's gonna be funny no matter what you no matter who you have behind the camera like that moment's always gonna work but there are some other things that are uh like the whole funeral at the rooftop with arnold's like carrying the corpse kind of yeah. fighting his way through the mobsters and all stuff i was like what's going on here like i understand that this is supposed to be funny but i didn't find it funny it was just kind of like slog let's just get to the next part so i am guessing just because of the of your enthusiasm that you actually find this movie funnier than i do uh, i mean it's long that whole funeral sequence um i'm torn because i felt that whole thing was could have that whole segment could have been cut but my favorite joke in the movie is him with the paper towels just dabbing himself when he's covered in fucking tar <laughs> and every time it cuts back to him he's just like clean and the kid points out like tar usually sticks to people like that type of thing <laughs> i pine for something like this now it's something that doesn't take itself too seriously it's something that how can you watch okay please tell me you watch something like this and you would think hey these movies i love now it would be kind of cool if they had like real car crashes and real explosions and people really flying and shit like that you know flying in quotations but <laughs> do you not does that never happen to you do you, do you no, really I mean, have okay it's it's well documented in the history of this podcast that i i place less weight on whether effects are practical or digital to me you know if it's a good special effect if it works in the story it doesn't matter if they did it with computers or if they did it practical i i but i do <sighs> There's a type of action movie that that last Me action and Nick, hero is the projectionists are just shaking her head right now. <laughs> There's a type of action movie that last action hero is celebrating slash making fun of. Uh, that I agree. It's not the type of action movie that we make anymore. And I wish we did. Even though, and I think that this is probably one of the reasons why we're also kind of split on on this movie. I think that you like 80s action more than I do. Like, I like Predator. I like Die Hard. But, you know, I'm never going to go watch Cobra or uh, what else? What's, what's one of those, like, 80s classics that people, like, really like? We don't make action movies like End of Days. Like, if we're, we're just talking right. to, like, Arnold anymore, it's you and your people, not Peruvians, <laughs> but you and your... <laughs> you know, it's it's getting to the point now that's that... Patton Oswald had that joke about his nerd nerddom has overtaken his like grasp on what's really important. It was some about he said like if he was given a time machine, he would have gone back and killed George Lucas to prevent him from making the prequels. <laughs> and it's like I don't know, it would probably be the mid to late nineties. I would go back and just find Christopher Nolan in a coffee shop working on the script for Batman Begins and be like, just don't do this, man. Like <laughs> You don't understand what you're going to set into effect by doing this. Just please. Uh, okay, but, yeah. but but you said okay. The, the, what was it like? Um, 
not Walking Tall. What was it? The Arnold one that was supposed to be a Last Stand. Yeah, Last Stand. I mean, don't blame that on me. <laughs> blame that on your no, people no, no, that no, no, no. show up to, yeah. to theaters. No, I, I agree. And to correct myself earlier, I said Pain and Game made a ton of money. For some reason, I thought that movie made like two hundred million dollars. It, it, I was going to say only, but uh, <laughs> where I'm from, eighty-six million dollars is a lot of money. But it um, wasn't enough to justify giving Michael Bay another serious movie again. It, it's just what's happened. We've there's no middle ground anymore. There's no movies or movies. Everything has to have some semblance of darkness or like realism or how this applies to real life, which look like a movie like Black Panther. Good. That's a story that needs to be told. But these movies were like every fucking, you know, Ant-Man, his relationship with his daughter is frayed and fucking all that type of shit. And these movies being made to win awards or movies being made to make money neither of those things are bad it's like i can't have conversations with people that like my dad about this who are so fucking thick-headed they're just like well that's what they're supposed to do i'm like that's a very fucking narrow way of looking at it and a very short-sighted way of looking at it cool make your money and that's what disney and marvel and all that shit's doing win awards awesome there's been a lot of great movies that have won awards too but it's like, it just doesn't feel like anyone's making a movie just to make a movie and have a good time anymore. And that's well, when I watch something like this and like Along Came Polly recently too. It's just like, Along Came Polly we talked about. It. It's like, yeah, just let an amazing actor like Philip Seymour Hoffman go out and do this. And these aren't old movies we're talking about. We're not talking about the 50s and 40s here. It's not like we're talking about Night in the City. This movie isn't even 30 years old, and I watch this, and I'm like, ah, I pine for the days of this. <laughs> when we were in Chicago, the T2 was on HBO in the hotel, and we watched like the last 20 minutes of it. There ain't shit that's been made in the past 10 years that has anything on Terminator 2 Judgment Day. <laughs> and it's just because, well, I guess we're going to find out with Avatar 2 or whatever, but it's just... The whole perspective and the idea and the approach and, you know, what I have to do has been just so dramatically altered. And this is not a great movie. Last action hero, what we're talking about here. But I watch this and I'm like, I, I, I don't know why, but it just makes me mad and it makes me ask the rhetorical question of why the fuck won't Universal or why won't Disney, since they're back in everything or... Uh, is what doesn't Disney own? They don't own Universal. Do they own Paramount? I don't know that anymore. No, no, they no, don't own Paramount because Paramount has, Paramount their, has own, yeah. their own network. Yeah, you're right. So just give me something like this. And I, again, because I'm one of the people that went and saw The Last Stand, I get that I'm in the, in <laughs> the minority. For it. <laughs> and what's, what sucks is also is like I'm the A24 crowd where these A24 movies come out and I'm like, fuck yes. You know, <laughs> If you've ever listened to one second of the podcast, you know that I like this movie called Good Time. But like that, <laughs> uh, Last Black Man in San Francisco that we watched recently, Uncut Gems, was, yeah, it was okay. And we talked about that. And they release Spring Breakers, obviously. They release all these movies. It feels like that's where I'm supposed to go. It feels like that is like where they're siphoning us off, these people that 
kind of want something more that's not there. But even then, all these movies have like this dark cynicism to them, and and even that uh, you have like fucking movies like Midsummer that. I'm supposed to believe is some amazing achievement. I'm like, no, this movie sucks, dude. <laughs> it, you know, every once in a while in the past few years, we get a bone, uh, poor Hemplo, the 2019 child's play. Remember how much I fucking loved that movie. Yep. Yeah. But it's, I'm, I pretty sure that movie did poorly in the box office. It's just, it's becoming evident. It's like wrestling too. <laughs> what I want does not matter anymore. Uh, but Alex, when I watched, you're you're looking in the wrong place. That's the problem. Because this is here. Here's another thing that longtime listeners of the show are waiting for me to say, and that is, Alex, a lot of the stuff that you want is being released directly to Netflix or streaming platforms. Because I was I was just flipping through. I I did my search was like action movies on Netflix, <laughs> and so okay. But I need you to understand. I appreciate that, but. I want to go to the movie theater and see this stuff. And I understand that's what I mean that this, that I'm no longer the target market. It's just like with wrestling. I want to turn on wrestling and see fucking Steve Austin versus the undertaker from 1999 with that level of emotion, that heightened drama and shit that ain't going to happen. If I want to, I can get on Peacock and watch that. You know, I can watch that from 20 years ago or whatever. And if I wanted to look hard enough, people people tell me, oh, watch AEW. You'll get that back. No. And that's the same thing here. <laughs> this shit on these streaming services and whatnot, I'm glad that these movies are being released. And I'm glad you're here. And I'm glad people like Brandon Curtis and, you know, uh, our Film Busters friends, people like that are here to tell us, tell me specifically, hey, this is here. Go see it. But at the end of the day, I want I want to go watch fucking Superbad, Nutty Professor, something like The Last Action Hero in the movie theater. It's just that's why when something like that happens, like Good Time or more recently, Halloween Kills, I freak the fuck out because it's finally giving me what I want. It's giving me going to the movies and just like having fun in front of this big screen and lit up. It cannot be understated how important the experience of seeing a movie in a movie theater is or was and that's becoming less and 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 that hurts me so when i watch movies like this i immediately revert to this defensive state and people like yourself and people who have similar uh sensibilities and opinions that listen to this likely get annoyed by that and that's fine and i i get that but all I'm saying is like I watch something like this and it's like I wish I could go to a movie theater and watch something like this and it not be like a gimmick screening at the Alamo Draft right. House. And, you know, I because of that, I end up acting like a movie like Last Action Hero, which is good, but I'm going to act like it's some great film when, you know, it's 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 fine. It, it was a good time. It's just <laughs> <laughs> to me, it represents a bygone era that I wish I could have again. And it, it goes beyond just it used to be better because more so than like with wrestling or even like music in some cases, I have a much harder time accepting and grasping what's happened to film, which would, you know, it's obviously something I'm passionate about. It's just I get it. And I, I guess I just haven't accepted it. So when stuff like this comes up, I get really emboldened. It's funny because um, I 
I have a disenchantment with the current state of film exhibition as well, but my bitterness is directed to the exhibition side more so than the the production side. And I was just thinking about it as I was hearing you, you know, express your pain because I was like, I feel it. I understand because, you know, <laughs> I, I love going to the movies. I, I loved it all my life and I still do. But yet, dude, I mean, I'm not going to lie. Like, I, I don't really feel like going to the movies now. And it's, you know, we're kind of like... <laughs> at a safe somewhat safe place to go to the movies now so it's it's not just the pandemic it's just uh gotta be like a hundred percent honest like there is something that just bothers me on a personal level right now about rewarding movie theater chains specific movie theater chains with my business after the way that they handled the last couple years not, not you know, we have friends that still work at movie theaters, and it's I don't have yep. a problem with that. I don't have a problem with the people on the ground floor. I have a problem with, like, the the big corporate people that are making decisions and that we're just uh, – like, I'm not going to get into it. Like, if, if you're a patron, you've heard me talk about it already. And if you're not a yes. patron, you probably don't want to hear me talk about it. But let's just say that I have a problem with the way that movie theaters handled the last couple of years. And that actually has become big kind chains, of a psychological specifically. Not 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 all of them, but yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no, I'm talking yeah. about big chains. Yeah, like the, the big chains. And and that has kind of become a psychological barrier of sorts when it comes to like me making the choice of going to see a movie in a movie theater. And so in a way, like <laughs> the side effect is that I find myself embracing at home viewing, like streaming, physical media, what whatever, like even more so because it it saves me from that dilemma of like, I want to watch movies. I don't really want to go to the movie theater. As much as I love the experience, like in its pure form, I I feel kind of dirty <laughs> contributing to the to the to the business model right now at, at this time. And so I think that that's that's part of it. That's like on a very personal level, and so uh, it's not that I don't miss the the romantic side of it of you know just watching a movie you know surrounded by an audience that's sharing the experience and everything. But it's just that I am not as invested in in getting that back right now, or and and it's that definitely affects how I watch a movie like this because yeah, I was looking at you know the I mean it's on my notes for Contrarian's Corner, you know, like how this movie understands the magic of going to the movies and and falling in love with a fictional character and creating a relationship with that fictional character and how that helps you get through like life and all that stuff. I like I understood what the movie was doing on a very like rational level, but it never hit me in an emotional level. And mm-hmm. I think that it's because of all the things that I already listed. You know, it's like the performance the performance from the kid, the the way that I think that the direction made it kind of drag and and so on. But also, I think one of those elements is just that I, I'm i assuming at some point, hopefully, you know, it'll come back. But I, I am not as, I guess, romantic when thinking of that era. I don't know. I just wanted to evolve into whatever is next because I am kind of sick of the, the in-between where I just see... I wonder how many listeners are just like shaking their fists at me right now. But it's like, I just see the current model of exhibition as this dinosaur that's refusing to evolve. And Mm -hmm. I was like, we need to figure out a way to break away from the chains of just like, well, we got to make as much money as possible, (laughs) you know, in every opening weekend. And we have to have like all these screens of these like specific blockbusters. I don't know. 
I have those frustrations, you know, and uh, I think they run parallel to your frustrations, which are more in the sense of like, why aren't they making stuff that's more interesting? <laughs> <laughs> to be seen in movie theaters i think if you combine your frustrations with mine that would make for a very uh miserable human being so thankfully (laughs) we're sharing the load (laughs) i i hate the idea that like someone's listening to this for the first time and just you know it should be made clear i don't go to the movies anymore and uh unless it's some like the last movie I went to see in the theater was Texas Chainsaw Massacre 3 Leatherface starring Vigo Mortensen and Ken Foree. I think that's that's the thing of the wrestling fan. These people just bitch and bitch and bitch and bitch and bitch and still watch every second of television every week. Welcome to SmackDown! Yeah, it's it's just like one of those things of these are my frustrations that come out when I do this and theoretically there's people that are listening to this that might find that interesting, but it's um, like with Julio and myself, you know, we don't keep playing into this, the things that we don't like, it's just kind of the the way it is. And yeah, it it makes for interesting discussion from time to time. And I hope it comes back too. you know, I hope that, uh, you know, I have no dreams of grandeur that we're going to get back to 35 millimeter in every single theater or anything like that. But at the same time, I hope, the allure and the idea of going to the movies, you know, five, 10, 15 years from now comes back because, and because it comes from a place of like, I want someone to have that feeling that you, you know, you or I had at one point in time, going to the movies, getting your popcorn and going in and seeing something exciting. There was, there was something so fucking cool, man. Disney movies were huge too. When, because back in the day, like Toy Story and those, it would be like a year before they were released on video. So it was like going to the theater and as a little kid, you're like, oh man, this is really special. So it comes from a place of me wanting future generations to have something just okay, like Last Action Hero to go to the movie theater and see and have a good time with. Do you Could you imagine a Last Action Hero kind of movie that does this type of deconstruction uh, slash comedy riff on your your mortal enemy now like the i'm not even gonna say the mcu but just overall superhero movies which is what you know has taken over blockbusters the problem is i'm not sure how you do it because i guess that's what deadpool Deacon- was <laughs> Ugh. <laughs> no no disrespect i like the first deadpool which, which one was gina carano in was she in the first or the second one i think it's the first one uh yeah, I, I like the first Deadpool, so I'm I'm not trying to hate on that, but it's the deconstruction of this. The problem is, is that these Marvel movies have convinced people that they're actually good films, like they're actually important and good movies. Whereas movies like Terminator Two, which this would have been Arnold coming off the heels of it, time has shown that that is an important film and a great film. But watching that movie, there's so many like jokes in it, and it's so like just easy going about itself that making fun of it is easy to do. I don't know how someone tries to deconstruct and parody the modern superhero movie. Well, I have a different answer, Alex, and actually, I think I agree that you can't do it, but I think it's because, for the most part, in this in this case specifically, 
more especially the MCU movies, I think that they already have this tinge of self-awareness anyway. So I would say that 25% of the time, it's, they're already kind of commenting on themselves. It's so much more annoying that way, though. For the, like, again, Black Panther, I think that's the only one of those that I was, like, cool when it got nominated for Best Picture. Because obviously, if nothing else, then to, like, stick it in the craw of people that were like upset about it for whatever reason, just dumbass racist people. It's like, good, good. I'm glad this movie exists and I'm glad it's getting that recognition. But the rest of them, I, I can't stand that self-referential and self-deprecating humor in them when they're doing like these super serious movies and, oh no, you know, fucking Robert Downey Jr.'s dead, but here's a joke about Spider-Man, that type of thing. And it's... <laughs> That's heartless. what I mean. You are heartless. <laughs> <laughs> I will say it again, and I said in our Endgame episode, how dare that movie have as good of a line as part of the journey is the end? How dare it? <laughs> it's a Brandon Curtis line. <laughs> Brandon Curtis would have more sense than to put that in a movie like that. But <laughs> It's something else, you know? It's... um. <laughs> We get into these discussions, and I have to remind not myself, but our listeners again, just in case there's any first timers that are like, "This fucking dude, what is he talking about? <laughs> I, Why is he so I mad?" The, I, <laughs> I am in a minority of a minority when it comes to this shit. I have a I have a pretty nerdy nitpick, Alex. But if, if you had something, What's that? okay. Uh, why is it that when Jack Slater comes to our world? He is not recognized anywhere as Arnold Schwarzenegger. You know what I mean? Because like, he's wearing a ball cap. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I guarantee that would be the rationale that was given by the filmmakers. <laughs> no, no, no. I'm sorry. Uh, let me take that back. I guarantee that's the reason he wears a ball cap because someone's like, wouldn't people recognize him? And they were like, put a ball cap on him. <laughs> I thought your nitpick was going to be, why didn't Robert Patrick just tackle Jack Slater. <laughs> Wait, no, 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 because he was that. That makes sense too, because he wasn't ever necessarily directly after him. Yeah, he he in this world he would be looking for Sylvester Stallone. Yeah, that made me laugh really hard, and it also like you know my collecting nerd memorabilia physical obsessive self was like there's someone who has that Stallone standee in this world. <laughs> And I need it. <laughs> All right. Well, we've talked about a lot. A lot of it hasn't been necessarily about Last Action Hero. But again, a week after Jurassic Park, Genius released June 18th of 1993. Budget $85 million, Box office return of a little under $140 million. Uh, Schwarzenegger received a salary of $15 million for this. Uh, as I mentioned earlier, the... It was being filmed up until a week before it was released, which is fucking insane. <laughs> uh, several script doctors did uncredited work on the script, including Carrie Fisher, Larry Ferguson, and William Goldman. Wow. Too many cooks. Too many cooks. <laughs> the story was by Zach Penn and Adam Leff, and they uh, were said to have disliked various parts of the film, including the idea of the magic golden ticket. In their draft, the story would not explain how Danny got transported into the film world. So it was even more like Purple Rose of Cairo. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> My God, you must really love this picture. Me? 
You've been here all day, and I've seen you here twice before. You mean me? Yes, you, 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 this is the fifth time you're seeing this. Years after the release of Last Action Hero, the film was subject to a scathing chapter called How They Built the Bomb in the Nancy Griffin book Hit and Run, which detailed the misadventures of Sony Pictures in the mid-90s, early to mid-90s, excuse me. A friend of the podcast, Reed, was texting me when I told him we were doing this, and he said, like, for all its flaws, I'm a big fan of it, but it's also, like, one of the greatest examples of just absolute insane 90s filmmaking. <laughs> Among the details presented in this chapter were Universal moved Jurassic Park to June 11, 1983, well after Sony had decided on the June 18th release date. The movie was reportedly the first to have an advertisement placed on a space-going rocket. The film was capsized by a wave of negative publicity after a rough cut of it was shown to a preview audience in May. Sony then destroyed the test cards, and the word of mouth proved to be catastrophic for the film. The hell? The shooting and editing schedule were so demanding and so close to the June 18th release date that after the movie's release, a source close to the film said they shouldn't have had Siskel and Ebert telling us the movie is 10 minutes too long. (laughs) Sony was even more humiliated the weekend after the film opened when the movie lost 47% of its opening weekend audience to Sleepless in Seattle opening as number two at the box office. The film declared financial loss of 26 million last action hero was the first film as i mentioned to be released using sony dynamic digital sound but only a few theaters were set for the new format and many of those experienced technical problems with the new system insiders at paramount reportedly referred to it as still doesn't do shit now there's the negatives let's get to the positives of this bad boy here <laughs> it was inspired by the simpsons what i found an article <laughs> i found an article uh, by scott beggs from mentalfloss.com released uh or i guess i have a hard time saying published when it comes to the internet but you know what i mean mm-hmm. i mean uh, somebody hit publish on their yeah, I guess browser june 18th 2018 10 big facts about last action hero and number two was it was inspired by the simpsons beyond the schwarzeneggerific action films pen and left launched the project because of an unlikely source matt groening's irreverent cartoon the weird thing is that the simpsons inspired the film in the first place pen said we thought if this show can destroy genres even as it embraces them, why can't we do it in live action? By the time Last Action Hero hit theaters, The Simpsons were already spoofing Schwarzenegger and his action movies with the muscle-headed Rainier Wolfcastle. You remember Rainier Wolfcastle? He's McBain? in the movie. No, that's the thing that's fucked up is they call him Arnold Schwarzenegger in the movie. And it's just like, dude, it's just Rainier Wolfcastle. Oh, I thought that they call him. Maybe you pointed that out and now I've replaced it in my mind. <laughs> Uh, the star of the far too many McBain movies, Eddie Strait, our friend, that was always a guaranteed way to make him laugh, was just to go, McBain, let's get silly. Uh, and the show that gave Penn and Left the creative license to write their film later roasted Last Action Hero directly in The Boy Who Knew Too Much. Bart Simpson tells Wolfcastle his latest movie sucked. Wolfcastle admits there were script problems and Chief Wiggum quips, I'll say, magic ticket my ass, McBain. <laughs> <laughs> these, uh, number four, the I'm going to skip around on these, but I'll be sure to number them to correctly give credit. The schedule doomed the movie from the outset. 
Regardless of any problems finding the right script, rewrites are common in all big movies, the movie had almost zero chance because there simply wasn't enough time to make it. From the green light to Columbia Pictures' expected release date of June 18, 1983, McTiernan and company had a bit over nine months to put together a wannabe blockbuster with a massive budget, lots of explosions, and ton of visual effects. Robert Greenberg, who was hired to do the CGI, said, I don't think a production of this scope has been pulled together on such short scheduling echoing a sentiment of McTiernan and others would have while later explaining its failures. As the project barreled towards release date, the studio refused to change. (laughs) That sounds graceful. Uh, the release date that the studio refused to change even after disastrous public feedback screening they claimed was, quote, absolutely sensational. The crew was working 18-hour days, six days a week. It got so bad that they had to bring in a masseuse, and the final cut was done mere days before they had to ship Prince to the theater. Last Action Hero was also released a week after Jurassic Park, which was dot, 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 not so good for it. (laughs) This one's dope. Number five, uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger got ACDC to write a song for it. Last Action Hero was the first movie Schwarzenegger executive produced, and he had approval on every detail right down to the marketing. Knowing that Jack Slater would need an explosive, memorable anthem, Schwarzenegger personally sought out ACDC, but instead of asking for the rights to one of their hits, he asked them to write something new. Thus, Big Gun was born. It's an uncomplicated, face-melting rock song and the most memorable element of the entire movie. With all the other miscalculations over the movie's tone, the production schedule, and the release date, at least Schwarzenegger got this one right. And, of course, you know, he had Guns N' Roses make a song for the T2 in 1991. Mm-hmm. So, he gets it. We glossed over this a bit earlier, but you know that Charles Dance was the the backup for the the role of Mr. Benedict. Did you know that? No, I didn't. Who was supposed to be at first? Bill Paxton? Alan Rickman. Holy shit. But his uh, pay demands were too high for them. I'm Hans Gruber, bitch. Pretty much. I'm glad uh, it's Charles when, Dance. I, he's great. Well, you might appreciate this, too. When Dance discovered he was less expen- the less expensive second choice, he showed up to set wearing a shirt that said, I'm cheaper than Alan Rickman. <laughs> I think they both ended up okay. Yeah. I think that they both went on to uh, make numerous marks throughout Hollywood history. And number 10, he closed it out with uh, something I made allusion to just a moment ago. It was the first movie to be advertised on a NASA rocket. The advertising campaign for Last Action Hero was boisterous, to say the least. There was a four-story tall Jack Slater Schwarzenegger inflatable at the Cannes Film Festival, which they also erected in Times Square. Uh, The one you saw in the movie, they put that at Cannes. (laughs) I just, I don't think, like, I watched Last Action Hero, and I don't think Cannes Film Festival... (laughs) Oh, dude, it was a lot. It, that was a much different ball game back in those days. I'm not kidding. I think I remember in our research for No Holds Barred, Vince McMahon and Hulk Hogan went to Cannes. Well, yeah, but Vince McMahon and Hulk Hogan were delusional. <laughs> That's not <laughs> standard behavior. <laughs> Touche. But I just imagine, like, God, you know, what? with the prestige and everything Cannes has today, I'm trying to think of who would be, like, Judd Apatow with a four-story inflatable <laughs> figure of himself in front of it. 
But they went even bigger by painting the movie's logo on an unnamed NASA rocket. The first attempt at a space-based advertising reportedly cost $500,000 and literally didn't take off. (laughs) As with everything else in the doomed project, the Comet rocket was set to launch in May to promote the June release of the movie but it was delayed for technical reasons and didn't head for the stars until the movie had flopped. I need the satellite photos of this thing roaming around in fucking September of 1993. (laughs) And just wrapping up some of the insanity that came around this movie, I remember the toy line from this. I do, vividly. Uh, The merchandising people for Last Action Hero came up with some Jack Slater action figures with guns. But Arnold vetoed the idea because this movie was a warmer, more cuddly action movie. (laughs) I remember there was several Arnolds and there was the Danny and whatnot. But the merchandising include seven video games, a $20 million Burger King promotion. Remember those cups I mentioned Mm -hmm. earlier? They didn't come cheap. A $36 million theme park ride in between Contrarian's Corner and Real Talk. I told Julio this has now become my life's goal. I tried to Google this, and I have not been able to find anything on the last Action Hero theme park ride. I don't know if this has been scrubbed from the internet or what it is. If you know anything about it, let me know. But uh, coming soon to After Hours, when I eventually find some shit out about this. If you were there, if you've seen it, we don't want any of those, like, afraid of a friend of a friend. If you wrote it, <laughs> yes. tell us what's up. Schwarzenegger gave 40 television interviews and 54 print interviews in 24 hours, setting his personal record for this movie. That sounds exhausting. It does. And to make sure that no one's confused, uh, I don't think there were seven different video games altogether, but it was released on the NES in 94 that's insane that they were still making games for the mm-hmm. NES, but it was like the the dying rattles of the NES. Yeah, absolutely. The Wikipedia page, the picture of it is the box art for the NES game. That's awesome. NES, Super Nintendo, Sega Genesis, Game Boy, Game Gear, the uh, Amiga, and uh, MS DOS. Described as an action beat 'em up. All Game Magazine gave it a uh, one star. Can't win. Nintendo Power gave it 12 out of 20. What the hell kind of fucking scale is that? (laughs) And accompanying its bad legacy and its poor reception, we take ourselves to March 20th of 1994, the 14th annual Golden Raspberry Awards, where Last Action Hero was nominated for six awards. Worst Picture, Worst Actor, Worst Director, Worst Screenplay, Worst New Star, poor kid, and Worst Original Song. It did not win any, though. Julio. Think 1993 and think of a movie we had done previously that could have won Worst Picture of the Year. 93 is too late for Hudson Hawk, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, Bram Stoker's Dracula. <laughs> <laughs> Man, I, I would be pissed if it was. Oh, yeah. It's not. No, I would be livid. Uh, 93, 93 that we've done before. Ready to rumble? <laughs> oh, motherfucker, that was 2000. Come on. <laughs> I don't know. You're going to have to give me a hint. It also received a Worst Actor nomination for Robert Redford. What the fuck have we done with Robert Redford in it? Dude, you're going to be mad when you figure it out. Uh, It also received a Worst Actress nomination for Demi Moore. Oh, of course. (laughs) (laughs) I'm thinking of a classy Robert Redford, not pervy Robert Redford. Uh, Indecent Proposal. 
Correct. Indecent Proposal won Worst Picture. Alongside, it should be mentioned, another film we've covered here on The Contrarian, Sliver, was nominated as well. <laughs> All our uh, erotic thriller high points. Yeah, Last Action Hero is better than those two movies. Thank you. Worst New Star went to Janet Jackson in Poetic Justice, which I've never seen. Oh, God. And uh, Big Gun by ACDC. Uh, lost to Adam's Family Woomp from Adam's Family Values. I think that was like a remix of Woomp, There It Is. I, I guess, you know, we got we got to bring this home sooner than later, but uh, Arnold seemed to be having fun in this. Do you have any beef with Arnold's performance in this? No. Uh, I thought I did when the movie first started, and but then as the movie went on and I was able to fine-tune what was it that wasn't working, I realized that it was not him. He's, he's doing exactly what he needs to do. Because at first, I guess, you know, my preconception was to just go, oh, it's because Schwarzenegger is not funny. You know, Schwarzenegger is not a comedy actor, or you know, it's like broader comedy, and this requires something different from him. But then I realized, no, 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 that he's doing fine. It's not him. It's the the staging. It's the direction. It's not him as a performer. So no, I'm 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 fine with with Arnie. I think that he uh, he does fine. I applaud <laughs> that he was willing to take this swing because I think that just as easily he could have just decided not to and remain a very serious action star. I guess that's the question I'm going to end on here. What do you think would have been more damaging, this or if he just tried to make like another Conan the Barbarian and just keep on? It's obvious the key to Arnold is James Cameron in terms of like <laughs> making these perfect seminal films. Arnold made plenty of other great shit too, don't get me wrong, but... It, you know, you can't change the past. So it's one of those things of you can't take this back. And it's admirable that he went for this. Do you think if he had just tried to keep doing what he was doing, he'd be okay? Or I mean, he made fucking $25 million when he did Batman and Robin a few years later. So I guess it didn't really matter. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I This is a very like silly thing to say because it's really like the question should be answered by him but i wouldn't trade the career we've gotten from arnold schwarzenegger you know to me it's like don't change it <laughs> yeah I'm, I'm happy that it turned out this way i would like to think that he feels the same way but of course maybe he does have regrets i don't know that it seems that he was so involved with last action hero that i don't know i have a hard time imagining that he wishes he hadn't done it he probably just wishes that he had done it differently but mm. Let's ask him next time that he comes over to Austin. I was about to say, fortunately, we have him on the phone, Arnold. <laughs> well, the challenge is out, Hollywood. You need to give us a modern version of Last Action Hero because I think it would do a hell of a lot better today. Uh, John Cena. Fuck it. Let's do it. Your time is up. His time is now. Let's do it. <laughs> My letterbox review ended up being three and a half stars. Uh, I think I'm willing to give this movie a B, B minus. It's going to need to be added to the collection. I think seeing it for the first time in 2022 was a lot more uh, fitting and made me a lot more open to accepting kind of what this movie was trying to do. Um, not so much to the Elizabethtown effect, because I'm not ready to say it's like a great movie, uh, but certainly enjoyed myself. And Jamie, thanks for bringing this, for throwing this one on our desk. Julio, don't disappoint me. Don't give this like 
a star and a half or something? No, what do you what do you no. go with? Uh, two stars. Two stars. I think that I've I made it clear that part of this is just my own baggage <laughs> coming into this. Two two stars. It's it's complicated, Jamie. I'm assuming you like it. I'm glad Alex was there to to fight for your movie and uh, not to spoil anything for our patrons, but uh, I'm a lot more positive on your other patron pick, the one that's on the <laughs> <laughs> on the exclusive patron feed. So that wraps up Last Action Hero. Julio, what's up next? Up next, Alex, a movie that we've referenced uh, many times before, and we're going to have a returning guest. We're doing Dazed and Confused, a fresh 92%er in the tomato meter. And this is uh, is a movie requested, in a way, by the person that's going to be joining us for uh for that episode which is your sister Lillian who was with us for the big episode everything is connected <laughs> it is yeah she's uh an elementary school teacher and she's home on summer break right now so she wanted to discuss movies about summer break or school or something i know that movie is about the last day of school so dazed and confused on deck next looking forward to it go ahead and close this out we'll go ahead and move into our perennial plugs We start off by giving thanks to the Festive Years, who kick us off with Last Stand and take us home with Summer of 99. Be sure to head over to thefestiveyears.com for any and all Festive Years needs. Our friend and fellow podcaster, Hans Rothgieser, is the man behind our logo, behind all the graphics on our webpage, on our Patreon page, on our merch page. Um, If it has that little tomato looking at himself in the mirror, well, Hans did it. So you can check out the rest of his work uh, on his website, mildemonios.pe. That's M-I-L-D-M-O-N-I-O-S dot P-E. He has published a number of books, fantasy books, zombie novels. Uh, he also hosts two podcasts, Nación Combi, which is about Peruvian current affairs, and Marginal, which is about economy. Check out his work and reach out to him if you have any questions, if you have any requests. Uh, he can be found on Twitter at Mildemonios, or you can email him at mildemonios at hotmail.com. Hans, thank you for all your support. And thank you to the support and assistance of Miss Zoe Perez, who helps out with our social media game. Facebook.com slash Contrarian Prime. You'll find us on there. We have some videos that we upload um, previewing and discussing upcoming episodes. Zoe puts those together and uploads them there. Uh, Also, if you're on Instagram, we are as well, at Contrarian Prime. There you'll find audio clips, images, interactive graphics, Posts detailing upcoming episodes, all that good stuff. Zoe helps us out a great deal with that and uh, puts that together for us and makes us look really professional. So, Zoe, we appreciate the work you do for us. And we appreciate you, those that have taken the time to to engage us and indulge us and entertain us in this discussion that we've had about Last Action Hero. We hope you've enjoyed it as much as we have discussing it. But that's going to do it for this episode of The Contrarians, where we're right and you're wrong, and we will catch you next time. Your dreams, but even so